0: Hello everybody, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I am in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. I'm going to cover verses 31 through 38 in this audio. The incident that we're going to describe is takes place at the Last Supper, where Jesus warned the disciples against desertion of him, where he told Peter, you know, that you're going to deny me three times. There are three parallels in the synoptic gospels in mark chapter 14 verses 27 through 31 in matthew 26 31 through 35 and in luke 22 31 through 38 i've already done an audio on this incident in when i discussed mark 14 verses 27 through 31 and so i will splice that audio in here so that splice of mark 14 27 through 31 begins now now, the context of this, this is Thursday night, Nisan, first day of Passover, 14th of Nisan was Thursday. Friday evening, of course, went to the 15th of Nisan, well, that's traditionally when the Jews ate the Lord's Supper that night, but it's still Thursday night. He is going to later on, after when the Lord's Supper breaks up, he's going to go to Gethsemane and get arrested, taken before Caiaphas, taken before Annas, taken before Herod, taken before Pilate, and finally crucified the next day, about midday. So that's where we are. We'll start in chapter 14, verses 27 through 31. I'll read that first out of Mark. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will run away, because it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been resurrected, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, Even if everyone runs away, I will certainly not. I assure you, Jesus said to him, Today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he kept insisting, If I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. Now, first of all, let's take care of this little harmonization detail. Mark says that before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me the other three passages. Mark, Matthew Luke and John say, before the rooster crows, period. So, how do we reconcile that? Well, it's very simple. The NIV study Bible says that some texts don't have twice in there, but there's no indication of that that I see in my Holman Christian study Bible. And John Gill says there's no need to go to that in order to reconcile it. It's the simple fact that roosters crow twice. Once on the third watch in the middle of the night, the Roman watch would be between 12 and 3 in the morning, Rooster crows then, then he crows at daybreak, and I don't doubt this because I used to think that roosters only crowed in the early morning, but I lived next to a particular rooster, and one night I was out on my porch in the middle of the night, walking around, couldn't sleep, for some reason I was out there in the dead of morning, and I heard the rooster over there just crowing away, you know, when I was in China, in rural places, in the middle of the night when I'm trying to sleep, I hear the roosters crowing away, in the early morning hours, so I, I don't doubt this in the least. So that's not as hard to reconcile as you might think. So basically, the, by the second rooster crows, which is by dawn, Peter will have managed to deny Jesus three times. Now, as far as the parallel passages go, Matthew 26:31 through 35 is almost exactly the same as Mark, and so we'll go through Matthew and discuss Matthew and Mark at the same time. Later, we'll have to pick up a few details in Luke and in John. Now, Luke, or John, I should say, John has a lot of stuff, and Luke does too. Luke has some stuff that goes on at the Last Supper that are unique to Luke and unique to John, and so I won't cover those things. I'll mention them, but I won't cover them. They will be covered when we go over Luke and John, when I do the audios and Luke and John. But just to set the scene here, before before we get to the story of Peter saying he would never deny Christ, let's see what jesus said at this last supper i'll just read it from john 13:31 through 38 when therefore he was gone out that was judas and that was what the last thing we covered in the last audio the last incident jesus had pointed out that judas was, was a betrayer and judas hightailed it out of the last supper went to the high priest to, to tell them where jesus was or was planning to be verse 31 in john 13 when therefore he was gone out that's judas "...had gone out, Jesus saith, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And God shall glorify him in himself." That's talking about at the resurrection. "...and straightway shall he glorify him, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Where I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another." By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. So you see, some of the most popular and profound sayings of Jesus were said at this last supper. In fact, the foot washing of the disciples was at the last supper. The idea you serve is, you serve your brother like slaves, and you love them. You wash your feet. You love one another. And at this point, we get the the part of John that that parallels Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Simon Peter says says unto him, Lord. Where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Now what he's saying is, Simon thought he was probably going off to some far geographical place, but well, actually Jesus was talking about he was going to heaven, and and Jesus is telling Peter, You can't go to heaven right now, but you'll follow afterwards, you'll see me in heaven. Of course, that's when Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. All right, so that's the background, now let's go through the passage about Jesus warning Peter not that telling predicting that Peter will deny him three times. Let's go through this closely. We'll go through the Matthew version, the same as Mark. My notes are in Matthew, so it's easier for me. Then Jesus said to them, Tonight all of you will run away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. This is a quote from Zechariah thirteen seven. Jesus is always quoting the written scripture, for it is written, it is written, it is written, occurs over and over again in the Gospels. Zechariah thirteen seven says this, Sword awake against my shepherd, against the man who is my associate. This is, the decla- this is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will also turn my hand against the little ones. The associate of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts is Yahweh, God the Father. His associate is Jesus. The shepherd is Jesus. He's going to be struck. The sheep, that's the disciples of Jesus, they're going to be scattered. And I will turn my hand against the little one. That's the little ones are the disciples. And it doesn't mean that God is is angry at the disciples it just means he's in control of events and the events are going to be such that they're going to be scattered so it says i will turn my hand against the little ones so it wasn't just peter that fell away all of them fell away in fact we see this in verse 56 in matthew 26 at the garden of gethsemane when jesus was arrested every last one of them all of them all 11 that were left High-tailed it out of the garden of Gethsemane so they would not get arrested. Even though John did hang around for the crucifixion, the rest of them went into hiding. Jesus continues, both in Mark and in Matthew. He says, after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. That's Mark 14, verse 28, and Matthew 26, verse 32 Notice that he tells them he's going to be resurrected. Now, the disciples had a real hard time with that. Over and over and over again, starting at the end of his Galilean ministry, during his Prian ministry, he said, I'm going to be resurrected. But they didn't believe it. it. was That was off their radar scope. They couldn't understand that. They did understand it, though, after they saw him the Sunday after the resurrection. Jesus told the disciples here to meet him in Galilee after the resurrection. And after he rose, he met the women in, after the resurrection, and he told the women to tell the disciples to go meet him in Galilee. And also an angel who met the women after the resurrection told, him, told the women, go tell the disciples, meet Jesus in Galilee. So they had plenty of instructions. Jesus was thinking ahead, planning ahead, how to start his kingdom after his death and resurrection. We see this in Matthew 28:16. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee. They did exactly what Jesus had said to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. We don't know the mountain, but it was some particular mountain that Jesus had said. Matthew 28:10, we see Jesus telling the women after the resurrection. Then Jesus told them, "Do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there." And then the angel in Matthew 28:5 through7. But the angel told the women, Don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been resurrected just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. So there we have it. Now, the fact that he had told them he was going to be resurrected, that must have cheered them up. You would think it cheered them up a little bit. He just told them that he was going to be struck down and the sheep scattered. That was probably pretty depressing. But deep down, did they really believe that he was going to be resurrected? I don't think so. I think it was too hard for them. It was only after they started hearing those resurrection appearances from the, from the women, from the disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's when they started getting cheered up, and I bet they were extraordinarily cheered up. Peter says in Mark 14, verse 29, Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, that's King James, homo christian study bible has runs away another version i forgot which version had stumbled although all shall be offended run away and stumble i will never run away famous last words peter did exactly that peter of course is noted for his impetuosity he jumped out of the boat to walk to jesus on the water so peter was he had a slow fuse he was ready to, to launch but he fizzled out pretty quick he started sinking on the water he ran away when Jesus got arrested and then denied him three times when Jesus was under trial. Remember it Caesarea Philippi, he said, No, Jesus, never should you go down to Jerusalem to be killed and Jesus had to tell him, Get behind me, Satan. Clark says Peter is, quote, vainly confident and and Clark gave a sort of a gratuitous slam at our Catholic brother and he said, Strange, it's strange that the church of Rome would be built would build their church upon such a rock. Well, to be fair to Peter, now remember this is before Pentecost and I'm sure the Catholics would respond that way. Proverbs 28:26 says this, the one who trusts in himself is a fool, but one who walks in wisdom will be safe. Well, Peter was trusting in himself and he made himself look out pretty foolish. Jesus rebukes him and says in the next verse, I assure you, Jesus said to him tonight before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, notice that, when Jesus says, tonight, what he's saying is, your proud confidence in me is not going to last 24 hours. It's not even going to last through the night. But this is Thursday night, and before the sun comes up Friday morning, you're going to deny me three times. All your proud protestations of loyalty don't mean too much. But this is what, how Peter responds in verse 32 in Mark 14. Even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. Famous last words. That's exactly what he did. All the disciples said the same thing. Now you notice the disciples joining in with Peter on this. Peter gets most of the blame because he stuck his neck out the most. But the other disciples were saying the same thing. Now, in my opinion, the disciples were just as foolishly cocky as Peter was. However, to their credit, John Gill points out, they were expressing abhorrence at the thought of Jesus dying. They were ignorant of their own weakness, I guess, just like Peter was. They probably wanted Jesus to know they had nothing to do with Judas' betrayal plot. That's an idea I had. They wanted to say, no, 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 I I I'd have nothing to do with what Judas, Judas did. And they at least wanted Jesus to know they had as much love as Peter had. Remember, these disciples loved Jesus. I mean, how could you help but love Jesus? He's the most lovable human being in the history of the planet because he was perfect. He was God. Now, Peter knew that Jesus was in mortal danger. It had to be clear to him. But he was willing to die at that point, but his courage failed him when push came to shove. Same thing with the disciples. They all scattered, verse 56, at the Garden of Gethsemane. They all scattered, despite the fact that they were protesting their loyalty. Now let's go to Luke chapter 22, and we'll drop down to verse 31 and pick up the part of the same story. It's a little bit different, so we'll get some more details. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Well, here Jesus is assuring, he's already told Peter the bad news. You're going to deny me three times, but then he gives him some good news. You're going to come back. When you've turned back, you're going to be strong enough to strengthen your brothers. And I have prayed for you that your faith not fail. Now, why would Satan asked to sift Peter particularly, probably because Peter is the head apostle. He was the one that was the leader of the apostles. He was the most prominent. And, of course, that's what the devil loves to go after. You take a leader down, you take down their whole, all the followers automatically. That's just warfare strategy, and the devil is hes fighting a war against Jesus. Now, it's interesting to me that the devil would go to Jesus to ask him anything. It just amazes me. But as Jesus said, Satan has asked... I'm sure Jesus said, no, I don't think so, Satan. Get out of here. You're not going to sift Peter. Peter's going to do just fine. And he did. After the Holy Spirit fell, he was one of the most courageous people you'll ever want to know. And he ended up being crucified upside down in Rome after spreading the gospel for the rest of his adult life. Let's look at what John Gill says about what Peter did after the, res- after, um, not after Pentecost, actually, but after uh, Jesus had resurrected Quote, "...whereas all the disciples forsook Christ and fled, some way, some one way and some another, Peter, after his recovery, got them together again and returned with them to Jerusalem. When they with him assembled together till the third day Christ was risen, he, strength- he Peter, strengthened there the disciples' faith in the Messiah." and put them upon filling up the place of Judas by choosing another apostle. That's when he got them together in Acts chapter 1, and they chose Matthias to take the place of Joseph, also known as Sabbath, also known as Justice. Peter was in charge of all that, and on the day of Pentecost preached a most excellent sermon. Before Pentecost, even uh, the the week after Jesus died, the Sunday after he died, he got them together all in a house there. He gathered them together to receive news from the women Mary Magdalene especially, I think, at first came and said, hey, he's risen, he's risen. And then, of course, when we get to Pentecost, he preached a most excellent sermon, the famous Peter's Pentecostal Sermon, was that Acts chapter 2 or 3, somewhere around there, which as it was made useful for the conversion of 3,000 sinners, not bad was doubtless a means of confirming the minds of the disciples, and he has left two exceeding useful epistles, that's 1 Peter and 2 Peter, for the strengthening of his brethren in in all ages of time. So what Jesus said exactly came to true. true. Peter strengthened his brothers. Now, Jesus here calls him Simon. Simon, Simon, look out. Why did he call him Peter? Well, Peter means rock, and Peter's not exactly acting like a rock at this time, so it's probably not... The best time to use that honorific title with Peter and also Simon was his given name which and when you use somebody's given name the name his mama gave him from childhood it's more intimate Jesus loved Peter we got to always remember that he was he was predicting a very terrible failing of Peter but he never stopped loving him through the whole whole sorry incident what does it mean to sift the devil wanted to sift Peter like wheat well, uh, it probably means to toss Peter to and fro like wheat in a sieve, to afflict and distress him. Gill has another option. It could mean cover Peter as you as you cover wheat with chaff when you when you shake when you sift wheat. Of course, you throw it up in the air, and the wind blows the chaff, and then the chaff lies lies if the wind doesn't blow it away. Actually, it lie it falls on the wheat, and the chaff, stands for sin and corruption. I don't think that's what it is, because most of the time the chaff gets blown off the wheat. It just means being tossed to and fro just like you have wheat in a in a wheat sieve that you're throwing up in the air to 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 get the chaff out of it. When did Jesus pray for Peter? One someone has suggested the high priestly prayer John 17:9 I pray for them I'm not praying for the world but for those you have given me because they are yours that's just a speculation who knows. What's the application here? Peter stumbled but did his stumbling and did his sin was that the final story? No. Peter had a story to tell after his repentance. I just told you all the good things he did: got the apostles together, chose a substitute for Judas, got them together at Pentecost, preached Pentecostal sermon, got three thousand people saved, became one of the leading pillars of the Church of Jerusalem. I didn't mention that. Was one of the first to preach the gospel to the Gentiles in Cornelius's house. I didn't mention that either. And he wrote two epistles for the edification of the church: First and Second Peter. So just because you stumble and fail the Lord, that doesn't mean you cannot be mightily used afterwards. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who stumble and fail the Lord and who walk out on him and turn their back on him. And I never have understood how a Christian can look at what Jesus did for them on the cross, save them from their sins, and then say, well, I think I'll do it my way. I just heard a story of a young man that grew up in church with me, and now he's married, got a little kid. His wife is interested in missions. His father-in-law was a missionary. And he's decided that he wants to follow the facts where they may. And he can no longer call himself a Christian. And he wants to be objective. Well, I guess what he'll do is he'll go look at the Bhagavad Gita and see what's in there. Maybe he'll read some Nietzsche, some of the wonderful, stupid, idiotic philosophies of this world. And I've read a lot of them. I like philosophy. I like to read it because I realize how stupid people are and how they cannot know the truth without Jesus. But anyway... There's still hope even for this guy, if they repent and if they follow Jesus and strengthen their brothers. Luke 22, verse 33 through 34, Lord, he, Peter, told him, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Famous last words. I tell you, Peter, he, Jesus said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. So Jesus, prophetic, he's God, remember, he's prophet. He knew that Peter was not going to last the night. All right, I've returned from my splice of my discussion in Mark chapter 14, verses 27 through 31. We have now finished the discussion of the way Jesus warned his disciples against deserting him and telling Peter he's going to deny him three times before the cock crows. Uh, He's going to deny him before the cock crows three times. He's going to deny him three times before the cock crows twice. In our next audio we will take up Jesus' famous farewell discourse to the disciples as he prepares them as he prepares to leave them by going to the cross. This will take up the whole chapter of John fourteen. I don't know if I'll cover all of that in the next audio, but we'll start. I hope you stay tuned for that one. I hope you enjoy this audio.